Hello, my name is Ron Cowie, and welcome to the St. Peter's by the Sea Episcopal Church podcast, episode 20, All Faiths Lead to Hope, a discussion with Rabbi Ethan Adler of Congregation Beth David and Father Craig Swan. St. Peter's by the Sea has enjoyed a 31-year friendship with Congregation Beth David and Narragansett. Twice each year, the two groups join in co-worship, alternating between their respective locations. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Questions and comments are always welcome and encouraged. Also, if you like what you're hearing, leave a five-star rating and a comment. It really does help. If you would like to support the efforts of St. Peter's, consider making a donation. Just go to stpetersbythesea.com and click on Donate. Your donation will help them care for the community and continue programming such as this. So welcome to St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett for our first conversation between a priest and a rabbi. This is Father Craig Swan. I'm the priest at St. Peter's, and it's great joy to have my friend, Rabbi Ethan Adler of the congregation Beth David, just around the corner from the church. These conversations are significant in that for the last 31 years, St. Peter's and Congregation Beth David have been sharing worship together twice each year between our two facilities. It is a 31-year relationship that has brought both congregations close together. During times of national sadness, we have gathered and prayed together and shown our solidarity. So it's with great joy that we begin this series of conversations about life, God, and anything else. This morning's topic, or this podcast topic today, will be on hope. And so I want to begin it by allowing uh, Rabbi Adler to begin with some opening thoughts. Good morning, everyone. What a pleasure it is to spend time with my friend. Um, and again, we began this venture 31 years ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we are continuing to meet each other, not only once a year, but twice a year, and sometimes even more often. And we've had several conversations about um, sharing these kinds of discussions, and I'm glad that we're finally here. So we're talking about hope this morning, and I'd like to say the out at, at, at the beginning, that our collective history has shown us that we are strong, that we are resilient, and we are courageous. And I say this because we're, as we're all waiting for a vaccine to arrive, we have a vaccine already, a vaccine that is sure to work, a vaccine that will get us through it all. And that vaccine is hope will get us through. Um, we have the opportunity and resources to ride out this storm. I really believe so. With COVID-19, we know political upheaval and social tensions and financial burdens popping up all over the place. It's understandable that sometimes we just want to go away. The good news is that it, that is COVID, will go away. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month but it will go away. And so I'm very hopeful that using all our resources, there is good reason for hope. And I'm reminded of 
a quick story, if I may. Uh, people in the village um, that's in a valley, uh, they find out that there's going to be tremendous downpour of rain, a deluge, if you will, and they will not have time to leave and they will drown. And so one of the leaders gets up in front of everyone and says, you know, we're all going to drown in three days, so each of you pray to the Lord to save your soul. And the second leader gets up and he says, we will drown in three days, so turn around and seek forgiveness from everyone. And the third leader says, we're going to drown in three days, hug your families, and hope to see them in the next world. The fourth leader gets up and says, my friends, we have three days to learn to live underwater. So there is always hope, and that is something we can always control. Martin Luther King Jr. one time said, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. Where does one respond to those <laughs> wonderful words? Um, because I was thinking about um, where am I finding hope during this time of COVID and this national uh, division that we're going through. And I was also thinking of a story um, several years ago, I went to visit an older parishioner about six months after her husband of 60 years had died. She was now well into her 90s. And she greeted me at that time with the warmth and the joy that she always greeted me with. And as we got to talking, I asked her, so tell me about where you're finding joy and hope right now. I said, you know, Craig, my boyfriend and I, because that's how she always referred to her husband as her boyfriend. My boyfriend and I, well, you know, when we were young, we'd hit these speed bumps in the road and we think they're insurmountable. But you know, with 60 years of marriage, I look back on those moments that we thought were catastrophic and see how we grew from them and how they were really just small bumps in the road. And I think about that, I think about what wisdom, because where I have found hope in this time is that it's not in this immediate moment of COVID and division, but what I'm finding is that I find hope and comfort through the whole of scripture because it gives us the long view. I think we as Americans are very focused on the short view. And as human beings, because our lifespan is only 50 or 60, maybe 70 to 80 years, even though it seems like a long view, it really, in the scheme of things, is very, very short. But what I find when I read, whether it be the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, or the book of Revelation, is this sense that no matter how dark things got, whether it be for the children of Israel, whether it be for the early Christians, in that darkest of moment, God came through. I think of Abraham and Sarah who have been told that they're going to create a great nation. And they're in their 90s, and they have no kids yet. Yeah. And God somehow overcomes that obstacle. Joseph is jailed, and with it, the hope of Israel. And yet, through miracles, Joseph becomes the viceroy of the Egyptian empire at the time. God prevails. So I am... Um, realize that hope isn't right now, at least for those of us who are children of God and 
hold to faith in the immediate, but in knowing in the long term that all of this kind of works out. And I guess that's the only perspective you get from looking at it over the long term and not in the moment or over the shortness of our own lifespans or a year. That's right. We can go back to Adam and, Adam and Eve who were created and uh, they were creating during light. And then when it got dark, they, they, had, they had no idea what was gonna happen. But then in the morning, it dawned on them. But they understood that after darkness comes light. Um, I recall um, Teddy Roosevelt, a 26th president, who said, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. I mean, what a beautiful way, what a beautiful way to say that. So I'll, I think ultimately we all have a choice. The choice is we can take the road of, this is so bad, I can't take it anymore, I'm gonna go into hiding. Or we can take the road that says, I'm gonna find a way to get through it. Um, John Lennon, right, with his Imagine said what? You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us. The world we live is one. And I'm all, always reminded by the words of uh, King David in his Psalm, the 23rd Psalm that we're, many of us are all too familiar with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And there was one line in there, one verse that really speaks to this sense of hope, where he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I think the key word there is walk. So he doesn't say I am stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm, I'm forever enshrined in that, in that condition, but I walk through the valley. I'm walking and eventually the shadows will give way to sunlight. And I think that, that sense can also give us a sense of hope that, that somewhere around the corner, um, light will shine forth. As you said that, I was thinking about the uh, Gospel of John, and he talks about Jesus in terms of light, and says, the light has entered the darkness, mm. and the darkness has not overcome it. And it's interesting, uh, so often when I'm doing pastoral work with people, and they're in, for lack of better words, dark times, and trying to find where God is in the midst of their um, illness or whatever their suffering is at the time. And my advice to them is always the same. Don't look for God in the darkness. Look towards the edges where the light is coming mm -hmm. through. And there you're going to find God breaking through it. And uh, it's, to me it's amazing because every Christmas Eve we darken this church and we start to light candles to sing Silent Night. And it is so amazing to me how just one candle, one little candle, can disperse the darkness so quickly and give you enough light to begin to navigate with. There you go. And so all it takes is that little bit of light to come into the darkness of our despair to give us that hope to hold on to and move forward. Right. We need, and we need, we need, to, we need to approach hope with, with an honest, earnest, earnestness. Um, not just to say the words, but to really, really believe it. You know, not just to say, well, I should have hope, but to really, really think about it and really make it part of, of, of who we are. I'm reminded of another story, if I may, 
that um, this is an opposite story in a small village. There was a drought, no rain for months and months, and it was terrible. And so the, the pastor of the congregation said, I want everybody to come to, to church, and we're all going to pray for rain. All going to pray for rain. So they all, the place was filled, and they prayed, and they prayed, and when they finished praying, he says, how many of you believe that your praying will bring the rain? And almost every hand went up. And he said, if all of you believe that, how come only two of you brought umbrellas? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think we need to somehow make hope part of who we are, not just, you know, in our hearts, in our soul, in our minds, um, and to really believe it. And once we do that, um, as you said, we can, instead of looking at the darkness, look, look at the light, look at the fringes of light, um, look at the end of the tunnel, perhaps, and see that. Um, Desmond Tutu, South African human rights activist, wrote, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. So as you said, that's, that's, that can engender the sense of, of hope that we have. Yeah, I think for us today, uh, one of the things that we run into, and I find I have this problem, is with so much news at our fingertips, mm -hmm. it's easy to find us going down a rabbit hole with the news and become very quickly convinced the world is coming to an end. And we lose that perspective. And I think about that also when I was a young father. I worked for the Department of Children and Families in Connecticut. And um, when it was time for my baby daughter to go into daycare, I was petrified because I was convinced everyone was out there to hurt her because the perspective I had through my work was telling me that. Right. But that was the wrong perspective because it made a problem larger than what really is. And I see the same thing for us today. We're so ready to go down whatever rabbit hole will tell us what we want to hear or will um, hook us in and begin to move us to believing that there's more darkness perhaps than is there. It's not to say not to take things and look at them from a perspective of reality, but to keep the true perspective. And I think the other piece that the um, media fails to talk about so much and that my um, people are learning when we read through Revelation is that despite all the calamity going on around us, we believe in a God that's really in control of what's happening on this earth and won't let it be destroyed. We see that um, in the story of Noah. Mm -hmm and the rainbow. Um, we find that again as we're reading through Revelation, as the consequences of human life begin to affect this earth and what we now, what we call the tribulations, the plagues, we constantly hear God putting a limit to how far he's going to let those things carry before God's going to step in and mm -hmm. stop it. And that's where I also find hope in this pandemic is it's only going to go so far. Yes, I'm going to wear my mask. <laughs> I'm going to keep my distance. Sure. And I'm going to do what is recommended. But I'm not going to fear the end of the world. I'm going to hope that this pandemic is going to come to an end. 
Yeah. And that we are already beginning to see the light on the horizon, which is the good news. Yeah, and I think when it comes to hope, the intention isn't that we wait for other people to do some stuff, that we ourselves can play a part in it. Um, I recall the story with um, angels coming to see Abraham and they tell Abraham that um, God is going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because they're evil and whatever. And Abraham begins to argue with God. He says, if there are 50 righteous people there, will you still destroy the cities? And God says, no. He says, what about 45? No, what about 40? Because all the way down to 10, and sadly, there weren't even enough 10. But the lesson there is if, if there were righteous people, then perhaps God would have saved those cities. And so what's the lesson for us is that we have to be the, those righteous people. And we can, we can sort of bring on a sense of hope by doing things for others, being righteous, doing good deeds, um, sustaining ourselves with good morals and values. And if everybody does that through this, through this pandemic, which might become an endemic pretty soon, um, we can also encourage hope and feelings of hope that, um, you know, don't worry, everything will be all right. And I think my personal feeling is that it will be. And um, I think that um, with um, feeling a sense of community, I think that, that brings out a lot of hope. And um, I know for me, I've done a lot of Zooming lately. And um, previous to this, I have, I have relatives who live in Israel, in California, in New York, other parts of the world. And we've never been together in one spot because geographically we couldn't. Well, guess what? All of a sudden through Zoom, we're having family meetings, which is, which is terrific, you know? So it does have its light. It's little sparkles, sparks of light that I think we can hold on to, as you, as you say, and um, put all those little sparks together. And before you know it, we got a ray. And I think that also can give us hope that we can hold on to anyway. I say amen to that. Um, and again, I talk about that as we can all be conduits of God's love in the world. Right. And um, I think these hard times bring that out. As I was also thinking about in listening to people's despair, um, we have teachers in this congregation and uh, nurses and um, all sorts of different professions. And one of the issues that they keep talking about is the fact that they have to do their job differently now. And it's not the way it used to be. Just like when you said to me earlier that um, as a professor at URI this term, you're about to go virtual. Yeah. And it'll be the first time you see your students' faces because they've been covered With by masks, a face covering. Yeah. Um, I recently had a conversation with one teacher who's an art teacher and just frustrated that they couldn't do things the way she was accustomed to in that really friendly, um, connected way, um, physically connected way in some ways. And um, I said to her an axiom that a friend of mine told me once. He was a, he'd become a paraplegic at 19 and um, spent 10 years just um, grieving the loss of the use of his legs. And then um, finding out that his wife was gonna have a baby, turned his life around. 
And he said he discovered something once he stopped focusing on being in a wheelchair. And that was to focus on what I can do every day and build on that and not focus on what I can't do. Mm -hmm. And uh, this gentleman, um, when he figured that out, became a leading force in the American Disability Act, especially on um, an act, the Disability Act in regards to veterans, which he had been or was. And so um, I think so often we fail to look at where the light is and where the opportunities are. Um, was it in Chinese, the yin and the yang, crisis brings about opportunity. Right. And we, if we can focus on the opportunity, we can find hope. And if we can focus on that ability to say, as you said, we can do something for the good, we can propagate hope throughout the community. Yeah. I mean, this quite a number of positives that, I mean, obviously people are sick and dying and that's you know, by as far as positive as you can get, but there have been some positive, positive results of um, what is going on. Uh, more and more restaurants are opening, are offering outdoor seating, which people, most restaurants didn't do. So people are outside more, people are taking walks, people are taking time to read, people are taking time to attend services and lectures and People are getting to know each other a little bit better. People are getting to do things that they've been putting off. So maybe, maybe this is God's way of saying, slow down, you move too fast. Yeah. Need to make the moaning last, as, yeah. <laughs> as the lyrics go. You know, maybe we have been just too quick, moving about without really stopping to smell the roses, stopping to, you know, smell the coffee, whatever the phrase is. You know, maybe this is God's way of saying, slow down a little bit, you know? And look at how we do things, because um, the other light in this has been the um, fact that our environment in different areas have cleaned up. You could see miles outside of Los Angeles. The canals in Venice have become clear. That's right. Uh, so it's allowed us a chance of pause. But I think we do need to talk a little bit, because we'd be remiss if we're talking about hope in the pandemic without acknowledging where hope is in the midst of true despair and sadness, which is loss. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, many of us have suffered the temporary losses of our ability to do things because stuff has been curtailed. But as of the time of this recording, 250,000 people have died somehow through illnesses connected with COVID-19, which means there's millions of people mourning friends and loved ones. And so the question for us is how do we as religious leaders, spiritual leaders, offer them hope in the midst of their grief? Big question. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, it's very, it's, it's, it's very, it's very hard for them to appreciate any sense of hope, especially when you realize that in a lot of these cases, the illness came on quickly. Um, you know, within days of catching the illness, they would pass away. In many, many times, the families were not able to visit with their loved ones before they passed. So, the, and those who passed, passed away alone. So it's just absolutely horrible. 
Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm smart enough to answer that question, to be honest with you, you know. Um, I, think, I think one way is to just, with our presence, just to be there with them, cry with them and be sad with them and hold their hand and give them strength. I think that's, that's the only thing we can do at this point. I don't know how much, you know, how much hope we can give them other than to let them know that there is a way to survive it. There is a way to get through it. There is a way to, to transform oneself from mourning and grieving to um, a position of, of maybe acceptance and um, just learning how to live with it, learning how to live without the person that you loved which can be very, very difficult. I know for uh, me with people that we've been working with, um, those have been the hardest moments of the last nine months is being with people, sadly by phone or by Zoom, to discuss or be together mm -hmm. while a loved one is passing away, either of COVID or in the midst of COVID. Right. And, um, Again, I think, I, I mean, the good news for both of us is that we do have a hope of dying, hope for our loved ones who die in the love of the Lord. Right. And so we offer, we can offer that hope. But oftentimes in the short term, it, I'm not sure it works, but I think I agree with you that, again, another part of my counseling is look at those who surround you. And this is the time for the community. Mm -hmm. It may, it's gonna be hard to hope, it's gonna be hard to find happiness, but take solace, and I've often said this at funerals, when we used to have funerals where we could have everybody in it, and say to the family, look behind you. Look at the circle of love that is behind you, and there's usually 70, 80, 100 people in the church, and know that God is comforting them, comforting you through them, mm -hmm. and that that's where you're going to find in time your joy and your solace in this moment. I think with COVID, it's been hard to offer that peace is like, other than to say um, to someone, well, based on uh, our numbers from YouTube, there are 300 people watching this funeral right now. There's your circle of hope. We can't see them. Right. But I think um, for us, we do in those times need to help people to dig into their spiritual upbringing and somehow connect through their prayers mm -hmm. um, whether it be prayers of anger or lament to really connect with the fact that there is the presence of the loving god who surrounds you like a blanket mm -hmm. and will carry you through this time of grief um, and again i go back to the gospel story of statement that John makes at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. The incarnation of God from the Christian perspective mm -hmm. acknowledges and understands human grief. And so as we mourn, for me that says God mourns with us. Yep. And there is comfort, there is solace, and there is hope that there is this wonderful energy of love that's going to carry you to back into the light over time. Right.
And the hard part is feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the impact, impact of loss. What I also, what I also, to add to that, when I'm, when I deal with families um, that are suffering loss, is to remind them that even though they've lost the person, they'll never lose their relationship. You lose a mom, physically your mom is gone, but you'll always have a mom. Your mom will always have you as a daughter or a son. Um, and that they're going to live on, live on through you. You know, and some, some, for some it offers them at least some modicum of comfort and hope. But loss is, loss is difficult, especially, especially at, this, at this time. And we have to remember, as you said, 250 plus thousand people dead. Um, you know, I read somewhere that every death represents 70 souls, some such number, or friends or relatives and so on and so forth. So multiply 250,000 by 70 gives you a sense of how many people have been impacted by it. Added to that, the 10 or so million that have been just been sick. I mean, this has really had quite an impact on our population. And um, we have to realize behind every number, there's a person, there's a person who's suffering. But having said that, we can sort of leave that gloomy side for a minute and say, overall, we can still offer um, a sense of hope, a sense that things will go better. With your permission, I'd like to read a little prayer. Is that sure. okay? So, um, with my friend Craig, we pray today for hope that we will never give up. We pray today for strength, even though we may be in despair. We pray today for peace to accept the things that perhaps we cannot change. So we ask you, O Lord, to bring your light and restoring presence to the dark places of our lives. Bring your hope to hearts that feel defeated. Bring your love and compassion to those in pain. Too often we remember the bad things and not the good. Help us to appreciate our happy moments, not to be taken for granted. As we reflect on our life, let us acknowledge the power of hope. Amen. So be it. So be it. Ethan, thank you for being with, with me today, and I look forward to further conversations. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to the day when uh, we can join you right here, uh, our congregation and yours. May, may that be so soon. Amen. Amen. This podcast is created in partnership with St. Peter's by the Sea Episcopal Church and Oyster Farm Productions. If you never want to miss an episode, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you think you know someone who would enjoy this, please feel free to share it with them. Also, we welcome your questions and comments. If we can do something better, let us know. Again, thank you for your time and attention, and have a great day.